Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I am one of your hosts, Adam Pranica. I am your other host, Ben Harrison. Hey, Ben. Adam, our tour is over. (laughs) And it went great, didn't it? Uh, Oh, it was the best. No disasters at all. I, for one, uh, am relieved that it's over at this point. People thought you were hilarious, and they put up with me, and... uh... (laughs) We broke even like we wanted to. We didn't lose a shitload of money. Uh, We will definitely go and do it again, based on our experience. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, (laughs) Now, just to give people a peek behind the curtain... uh, we still haven't left for our tour <laughs> as of this recording. Uh, yeah. We're way out ahead, um, out on a limb, you might say. And, uh, yeah, we have no way of knowing whether what we're saying right now will come to fruition or not. Well, we've never known if what we would say on the show would matter in any way at all. Yeah. And I guess uh, that makes that makes this intro much the, much of the same, I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um Well, should we get into the app? Yeah, I think so. Uh, At some point, we might be willing to talk about the tour that eventually we will have already done. (laughs) But for now... We we uh, will have... What tense is that, Adam? It's impossible. Like, you ever take a foreign language class and you have to make those fucking tables for for tenses of verbs and and whatnot? Yeah. This is is an impossible table of tenses (laughs) that I've constructed here. (laughs) Yeah, this is like the the fourteenth one in the binder. <laughs> You've got your you know your present, your past, your future, and then you start to get a little bit more esoteric. This is like this is the one that most French teachers don't even bother with. Yeah, and this is so past even college coursework that like a a French teacher would have to grab a big old bound hardback from like the top shelf of the foreign <laughs> language library and like blow off all the dust. Yeah. Well, speaking of dusty books, Adam, we're about to <laughs> review an episode that prominently features them. Oh yeah, let's do it. It's uh, it's season four, episode thirteen. Devils do. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Type to ramble on about something everyone knows. Um, so this episode starts with a another Picard directing Data scene, and Data is playing Ebenezer Scrooge in uh, Christmas Story. Yeah, classic uh, bit of classic Victorian literature. Just to be clear, it's a Christmas Carol, right? Excuse me, Christmas Carol. If you were if you were doing a Christmas Story. Uh, which I believe is still a movie you have not seen. God, I'm really starting to expose what an idiot I am on this show. (laughs) (laughs) My mother had not had a hot meal for herself in 15 years. That would be a really interesting bit of acting here. (laughs) A really really strange beginning to the show. Yeah. Oddly contemporary. Can an android get his tongue stuck on a metal pole? In the 24th century, uh, the value they place on that movie is... Far greater than what we could even predict right now. <laughs> Still never seen it. I think uh, Worf would make a great Scott Farkas. 
I'm only laughing I'm so- because there's a name. There's a name like Farkas. I can't play the game with you if you haven't seen the movie. Yeah. Sad. Sad. <laughs> um, the uh, idea that Data is like, like they talk about this, right? Like they do some method acting jokes and then they talk about the idea that Data is simulating emotion, like trying to trying to think about what emotion is like by play acting as though he has it. And there's definitely some, I don't know, like, it's like one of those computer science questions where, like, if you can't tell the difference between a computer and a person, like, isn't, can't, can't you say that the computer is as intelligent as a person? There's a moment in this scene where uh, Picard sort of scoffs at the idea of, of Data doing method acting before Data kind of turns him back around into his whole deal making sense. And it yeah. made me wonder if Patrick Stewart himself was or was not a method actor. I don't believe he is, right? Why would you choose such an old-fashioned approach? I don't know. Yeah, I think he's... He, I think he did Royal Academy, right? Yeah, that's what I thought, too. And so I wonder if, like, his scoffing was a little bit of his own... I wonder if Brent Spiner is a method touch. actor, though. Yeah. Yeah, if, if only there was a way to figure that out. Mm. <laughs> mm. Anyway... <laughs> So they get a uh, distress signal from a Federation science station on Ventax 2. And uh, they run up to the bridge, and the reception's not coming in great. You know, Worf is up on top of the ship messing with the bunny ears, um, trying, to, trying to clean it up. But uh, it becomes clear that this, this science station is being attacked by an angry mob. And so the Enterprise... You know, they step on it and, and head off to Ventax, too. They pull up to Ventax and shit has gone down. Yeah. Yeah, they're a little late to rescue all of the scientists, but they are able to rescue the one old man scientist, which is their favorite kind of scientist. The deal is Ventax is a planet that is uncommonly peaceful given the level of technology they're at. And their history is that they used to be way more technically advanced, but a thousand years previous made a like a planet-wide deal with their devil character in their mythology to uh to have peace for a thousand years and then the devil would come collect their souls at the end and so in that thousand years they reverted to an agrarian lifestyle and it's like sounds like kind of a hobbit planet you know like they never really show any part of the planet other than the capital city so it's a little yeah, and like the capital city looks like Vegas or something like it, it looks totally modern and yeah. non-agrarian in any way. Yeah, there's like at least half a dozen ziggurats in the capital city. And it's like you don't <laughs> you don't have that many ziggurats if you're just a just an agrarian society. Right. Unless they're grain ziggurats. Yeah. Like uh, like Ben Carson. Do you think Ben Carson confused <laughs> his his whole mythology on this episode of Star Trek? Well, that and he went to my website, ventex2truth.org, where, you know, I have a lot of theories about what's going on in this episode. And, you know, (laughs) the lamestream media will have you believe that this was all a con job. But I think that there's a little something else going on. You don't say. (laughs) Uh, So they beam this doctor on board, Ben, Uh, this doctor, Dr. Clark, and he is costumed... As if he are he was a race car driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the race car was sponsored by aspirin, 
And the race car is also a bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a real plain Jane fire retardant suit he's got on. Yeah. Which, leads, which asks the question, like, uh, what kind of science is he doing down there? Is that ever made clear? I think he is a social scientist. I think they're, like, really curious about a society that stopped being as technologically advanced, like, hmm. by choice. I think he yeah. says that at the beginning. Yeah, they're kind of born-again agrarians. Yeah. They've done technology many times in college. Yeah. But uh, as soon as they graduated and, and found jobs, they decided to uh, to be born again. Yeah. My love is a The the rest of the science team is abducted and being held hostage, and so they get on FaceTime with the leader of the planet, and and it's uh, President Low Rent Tony Shalhoub, <laughs> who uh, who tells them that uh, President Monk, <laughs> yeah, uh, who tells he he tells them that like there's nothing he can do about it, and everybody went ape because Ardra is is coming back and uh and she's you know just about just about due to arrive and the scientist explains that Ardra is their satan and and they're all just like what the fuck is everybody talking about like <laughs> this this doesn't exist so they beam down and uh we get a nice matte matte painting of the surface of the planet which is as we've mentioned rotten with ziggurats and burning ziggurats at this point yeah yeah and it's like it's like uh i don't know like i i, I feel like they sometime- really need to put out their ziggurats don't they <laughs> star trek Before really visitors arrive star trek really struggles with having shit look messed up i feel yeah. like like this yeah. is a city that's supposed to be rioting and it looks like 10 times better than any like modern western capital Except for there's, yeah. like, people running around in the foreground. <laughs> it looks like the morning of Black Friday. Mm-hmm. Like, people queued up outside <laughs> of a mall. Yeah. Or, like, running towards a mall that's about to open. Their form of, of rioting is somebody getting trampled so that they could get a uh, PlayStation 4 on deep yeah. discount or whatever. <laughs> yeah, pretty terrifying. So, um, so they're, they're having a meeting with, the, uh, with President Monk and... Um, and who should appear but this uh, kind of Marge Simpson-haired lady who claims to be Ardra. And right off the bat, she's doing lots of, like, sleight of hand where she'll, like, hold out her hand with, uh, and, and a, uh, a scroll will appear in it. And it's like, here's the terms of your surrender. Here's how, here's how it's going to go. And she's real arch and haughty and, you know, treats everybody like they're her inferior and uh, you can tell that Picard is, like, really not up for getting big-dogged by this stranger. And uh, and he's, like, immediately very suspicious of her. Yeah, and the way David Blaine does street magic, Ardra <laughs> is very clearly doing space magic. Like, nothing... Everything she's doing is very impressive to the people, the Ventax people. Mm-hmm. But none of it is impressive to Picard because uh, he himself is able to do the same things if he wanted to uh, using the ship's technology yeah and um yeah i mean like like the tricks that she's done are shake the planet and turn into 
like the Satan of Klingon, which was a legitimately terrifying character. Yeah. And uh, like make and a gross, couple. gross, too. Yeah. I mean, she's made like a couple of people appear and disappear. Um, yeah, gross. And yeah, Worf definitely like like data shit when, when this guy appears. <laughs> One of the things that tips Picard off to her bullshit is like as soon as she arrives, she's like, okay. Uh, you guys have done great fulfilling your end of the bargain. Thousand years of peace that I've given you. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you've you've done pretty well there for yourselves. <laughs> All I need to do is see your bank records. And if you could just provide those to me, as well as uh, everything you've been able to produce over the last thousand years, yeah. uh, we can get this shit going. Yeah, make sure you include the routing number and the account number. Uh, <laughs> just, uh, yeah, just smooth things along um much in the same way that kirk asks what god would need with a starship i think picard is also wondering what the devil would need with a passbook <laughs> savings account <laughs> yeah yeah uh you ever have one of those ben when you first started out uh your your first little savings account with a bank yeah i think i had a uh i think i had a bank of america account maybe yeah when i was a little kid yeah and they give you a little like deposit book and you're supposed they really to... indoctrinate you into the world of banking at the <laughs> young age don't they yeah well if you go to uh ventax org, you can see how there's a <laughs> global elite on ventax too that want you to be enslaved by the banking establishment and uh the I... ventax pentaverate who run everything in the world including the newspapers and meet tri-annually at a secret country mansion in colorado known as the meadows. <laughs> I think you'll find uh, that very enlightening, Adam. What happened to Ziggurat Seven? Ben? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, the Ventaxian Bohemian Grove might be the only people who can really tell you. <laughs> uh, they're doing uh, they're doing ceremonies in Ardra's honor all the time. Yeah, and then they turn around and where do they work? The Oval Office. Ardra, you sort of painted her with the Bride of Frankenstein brush a little bit. Yeah. But uh, I think they do a good job in making her fairly seductive. Yeah, like, I mean... Bo- both in manner and in dress. Like, she, she's she got a lot of charisma. And I and I liked her immediately, in, in spite of her bullshit. Yeah, she has. she's definitely super charismatic. She doesn't have enough loaf to make her weird looking like they they just like piped on a tiny bit of loaf with like a with like a detail piping uh device for a cake what do you call that a, a detail yeah. like a detail uh piping fitting on their icing bag yeah <laughs> there's uh you know what we were talking about before about like the idea of method acting i wonder if this actress sort of read the lock the waxana troy book of acting because it seemed like she was she was running some plays out of that book from time to time she struck me as a very waxana like character yeah she also did she did she bug you in that same way uh no because it's like not just wantonly obnoxious it's like a character that like she's she's definitely got some obnoxious qualities but it's it's to an end and and um yeah, she's got some like Yuri Geller vibes too. Like they keep uh, they keep wanting to catch her with a with a with a trick spoon. 
but yeah, so so there's a we pretty early in the episode get the sense that Picard is 100% convinced that she is not in fact the supernatural being that she claims to be and is just looking to sort out exactly how she's doing it. And there's this super creepy scene where he's asleep in his quarters and he wakes up and she's in there and like She's wearing the Dana Azul costume in the scene. Yeah, yeah, the like the like very sheer black lacy uh dress outfit that has like nude fabric underneath so it looks like she's basically naked yeah and the teased out hair that's like (laughs) two feet across yeah yeah she goes uh she goes pretty big with that with that hair and um it's it's kind of a frightening scene right because picard can't get in touch with the rest of the ship and he can't go out his door it made me wonder, is he on a holodeck on her ship? Like, did she beam him off the Enterprise? Or is this happening on the Enterprise somehow? Oh, that's an interesting question because, like, her powers up to this point have seemed very superficial, but right. uh, control of the door locks seems like a far more dangerous uh, power to have. This is uh, something that the Enterprise's security chief would never be able to overcome. <laughs> <laughs> her technology is far greater than his yeah um yeah like i i they never like answered what that was about but picard winds up beamed down to the surface at like he's like in some science lab <laughs> he's in like his like captain's knuck outfit with like deep v major knuck super short shorts just have mr data fetch me in a shuttle and have him bring along a uniform it really doesn't look very comfortable to sleep in. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like you'd come out of that deep V just, like, by a single toss and turn. Right. I feel like you'd wake up all knotted up in that deep V. Mm-hmm. Well, he's, uh, he's knotted up in one part already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the pass that she makes at him is fairly strong. Yeah. Like, if anyone made a pass at you this strong, I think it would be hard to resist. She's like, I'll do things to you that would, well, it's also like vaguely threatening in a VD kind of way, because I think the way she puts it is like, I'll light a fire in your loins that you'll never be able to put out. <laughs> yeah. Now, without seeing Dr. Crusher uh, for a course of shots, yeah, a couple many of months pro- over. prophylactic shots. Um, yeah. Yeah. I kind of wish that she had pulled this on Riker, because he would have been like, oh, no, you don't. I'll put a fire in your loins. <laughs> How little convincing do you think she would have had to do for Riker? Like, yeah. All she had to do was be there. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think she'd probably be pretty disgusted if she if she beamed into Riker's quarters. Yeah, well, it depends on which one he's in. Yeah. Um, if he's taking the night off, she could, uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so... so uh, Data and Picard head back up to the Enterprise, and Data's like, hey, by the way, I've been looking uh, looking at these dusty old books that include the contract with Ardra and, like, Ventaxian law, and uh, it turns out that when there's a dispute between a Ventaxian and somebody from another planet, you have to uh, get an arbiter involved. It's, like, outside their normal system of jurisprudence. And Picard is like, 
Lawyer Picard is back at it again. <laughs> and so they're flying back to the Enterprise, and they're looking looking out the front window of their bunk bed, and the Enterprise blinks out of existence. It's there one second, and it's gone the next. And there's not even, like, an effect. It's just, like, a hard cut on yeah. on it disappearing. And um, And they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> and so they have to head back to the planet because... Enterprise, like the Enterprise is not there. It's not answering radio signals. And so it's like, I think it's Data, Picard, and Geordi are maybe the only ones left at this point. It's hard when you have to stay over someplace and you aren't expecting to stay for a long period of time. That's Picard right here. Mm-hmm. Like he only has his, his deep V and his one change of uniform clothes. He hasn't brought anything with him because he wasn't expecting to stay. And now they got to turn the thing around. Yeah, and so they're like, they're basically stuck between Ardra and their ship, right? Like they can't get, they can't get back to the Enterprise, and Ardra has now claimed that she owns the Enterprise and, you know, everything that was on Ventax or even in orbit of it, and so um, she now considers Data among her property, the Enterprise, all the people, like everything, and. Um, Picard's like, all right, this is some bullshit, and I happen to be a pretty good lawyer, so let's do this uh, arbitration situation. And uh, she does something pretty weird here, which is she, she's uh, she's ex- informed that she has to select an arbiter and goes with Data. Yeah, it's sort of implied that there is a possible dodgeball draft at recess scenario playing out. <laughs> And Ardra doesn't even try to recruit anyone that isn't two feet next to her. Right. She's like, oh, yeah, who's, who'd be a great arbiter? How about you? <laughs> and Data's right there. And Data's like, eh, I better go talk to Captain Picard about this. So they, they have a little powwow off to the side. Data's like, look, you know, as an arbiter, I can't choose sides here. And I can't guarantee that I'm going to give you a favorable opinion by the time this thing's all said and done. So... Uh, are you okay with that? Picard's like, yeah, I'm a great lawyer. Like, <laughs> like, like, don't you worry about this. Remember that time like, I established your personhood data? I'm awesome yeah. at this. <laughs> and the stakes were way um, higher back then. Yeah, I like everybody's reasoning in this but Ardra's. Because she can pick anybody. Like, they, I guess they both have to agree on them. But, like, she has a whole planet full of people that are basically terrified of her. And she picks the one person that, like, works for Picard to argue this thing. And she also seems to know a ton about Data. She's like, oh, he's an android, so he can't lie. You've got to be able to buy that (laughs) at this moment in the episode for the entire thing to work. Otherwise, the house of cards just falls apart. I mean, I I let it slide, but it definitely bumped me. Yeah. Um, It gave gave you a little bit of a personal banger. mm -hmm. It is a guiding principle of a soft-beating face. Now, you can't find it within yourself. Yeah, so they have their little trial, and it starts with Ardra doing a few more of her little magic tricks. And back off in the lab, Jordy has been trying to like figure out how she's pulling pulling these tricks off. And and every time she does one, he gets a little bit more data. And so the fact that she kind of goes nuts during the trial, like making making herself look like the devil, making herself look like Feklar, 
she cuts herself in half and then like turns the boxes <laughs> to show you the inside. Yeah, she pokes an ice pick through Harrison Ford's hand. Yeah. All the hits. Uh, she locks herself in ice for like a month. <laughs> she has done enough tricks that the pen and teller of old scientist and Geordi know uh, know how she did it. And uh, and what they discover is a ship that is cloaked in high orbit around the planet is uh, prosecuting all these effects for her. So Jordy goes and like and like grabs the captain, gives him a zup in the uh, in the uh, in the courtroom, and the captain requests a little uh, a little pause in the action. And they do like one of those cut to commercials that's like, here's what I want to do. <laughs> And then we come back, and uh, and the captain basically does like a reenactment of all of the, all of the uh, all of the special tricks that Ardra pulled, and uh, and it's a it's a real shocker. But the uh, the president President Monk is quick <laughs> quick to realize what has happened, and Picard winds up explaining it all. It is she has a cloaked ship and. She's uh, she is in fact a con artist, and she's been doing all these tricks to try and convince them to give her their planetary wealth, and uh, and uh, so she's like, well, I'll just be going then, since I just lost. And uh, President Monk basically got to watch that Magic's Biggest Secrets show that was on <laughs> Fox like five years ago. Yeah, like Picard puts on a, a really weird mask and does all of her tricks in front of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, it's actually not as fun to know how the trick works. You're right. Yeah, yeah, this <laughs> so, is terrible. So he goes and like presses a uh, an invisible. I love when they do this on Star Trek, where they're like, oh, we forgot to put a button anywhere on this set, so yeah. we'll just have somebody press a button where you can't quite see what they're pressing. He goes like <laughs> just just to the other side of a column and like puts his hand against the wall. She's trying to uh, she's trying to make a break for the exit and a couple of. Uh, you know, space police come out from either side of the doorway and uh, and and stop her going anywhere. She seems oddly confident about her circumstances, though. Like, she gets up to the doorway, the two security people are there. She sort of, like, turns her head over her shoulder and, and she's like... Till we meet again, Jean-Luc Picard of the Starship Enterprise. Like, just fine with it. Like, yeah. She is going to go to prison forever, evidently, <laughs> and... And she's okay. She'll uh, she'll figure she'll figure something out. She always has. This ending was so strange to me on that level and a few others, Ben, because like there's no real button on it. Yeah. Like, they they pull the camera back to the three chairs and we're out. Mm-hmm. But I had a bunch of questions. Maybe you did too. Like, does this whole experience turn the Ventaxians back toward technology? Like, they had technology, then they went full biblical. And the the biblical stuff totally fucked them. Like, wouldn't you as a society go back to microwaves and uh, and hoverboards? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's like the question of like, why would they turn to this in the first place? Like, if they're so scientifically advanced, like, how did an entire planet's population come under the sway of this religious uh, edict? And then how uh like like what happens to a society that has been completely disabused of its religion in a like totally 
un, undeniable way. Like, hmm. like you have to assume this is like the the trial of the century on Ventax too, right? Like this is like the most important thing that has ever happened to their planet, and it would have been a if matter. If they weren't of, fully agrarian, this would be on court TV over there. <laughs> yeah, but at least they're probably like reading about it in the newspaper, right? Like. Oh, like it turns out the thing that we've all believed for a thousand years wasn't true, and now we have proof. It's just strange how a few well-placed people in a society can encourage uh, the following of some crazy despot into a disaster, isn't it? Hmm. Like you have a hmm. you have hmm. you have the you have the government and the press. And yeah. all of these things, uh, encouraging the idea of a devil figure. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. I never felt like there was any true stakes to this. Did you? Like, uh, the Enterprise disappears in front of Picard. Mm-hmm. He and Data seem fairly okay with the circumstance, other than having to turn their shuttle around. Yeah, like, they never are like, everyone that they know is gone. people are dead. <laughs> yeah, they are so sure that they aren't dead. Yeah. Which uh, is strange. That is, like, real hubris on Picard's part, I feel like. I also thought um, the score totally defanged any sort of danger in this concept. Like, it could have been pretty tense. Mm -hmm. But every time Ardra was on stage, her musical cue was fairy instead of devil. Right. Yeah. It was gazebo, not ziggurat. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that was better put than I did. (laughs) All of this is by way of saying, like, I'm not sure I like the episode. Like, I like the concept of it, but I'm not sure if it was a great example of what this concept could be. What did you think? Um, I, th- I think I like it more than you, maybe. I, I, I liked the character. I thought the premise of the magic tricks that she pulled was really fun. And, and like, the, the, the shock of Feklar, the Klingon <laughs> demon, was like really well played uh i thought you know like he's only on screen for like two seconds at a time but it's this very fully realized costume with like like mucus coming out of its fangy (laughs) mouth and it's just like oh it's like a very disturbing image uh and um you know the fact that they like took the details of this episode to that length i thought was cool yeah, like that's where they dumped the budget. They dumped the budget on Feklar. <laughs> because basically the only sets they use are the the room with three chairs and and the standard enterprise yeah. quarters. And the science lab, but that one was basically yeah. a blank white room. That was room. pretty standard issue. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that Feklar was fun. Fun Feklar. Saving up for Feklar is what they did. Go Feklar yourself. And uh, and Michael Dorn did more than just open his eyes really wide at seeing Feklar. Like he he looked a little disgusted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, Feklar is without honor. You know. It's weird. You know, like whenever Worf is faced with Q, or or some other figure that he that we know him to hate, <laughs> he like runs around the horseshoe ready to kick its ass. Yeah. He seems willing to just let Feklar hang out. Yeah, you gotta let Feklar be Feklar. <laughs> <laughs> and even even Picard turns into Feklar. That must have been fun for him. Yeah. When he's doing all of uh, all of her tricks. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> you think they put Patrick Stewart in the Feklar suit? <sighs> I feel like his contract probably says like 
that he won't he won't be in any Fecklar suits. He has a no adhesive hair contract. Yeah. Like all of the bigs get when yeah. you get to Hollywood. No brown M&Ms, no adhesive hair. Yeah. God, that's going to take a million years to scrub out. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it looks like we may have a Priority One message coming in on Subspace. You want to check that out with me? Is it from Fecklar? We've been talking a lot about him. <laughs> His uh, lack of ears are... Are ringing. If you're Fecklar and you're sending a, subst- a subspace transmission, you need a heavy-duty uh, spit shield on your <laughs> mic. <I think. laughs> yeah, you're going. You're going through the uh, the foam like on a <laughs> once-a-month basis. <laughs> if you're Fecklar, it's just all shredded and wet. Fecklar's a Klingon Devil podcast. Uh, I'm not. I don't really find his production value uh, commensurate with his powers. Yeah. Yeah, it's disappointing. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. By the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Hey, Ben, our first priority one message is of a business nature, a commercial <laughs> nature, Ben. <laughs> Which means we need to take this very, very seriously. I uh, I don't like to mix business with personal, so hopefully the next one is also. <laughs> uh, the message goes like this. Hey, you drunk Shimodas, need some additional escapism? Check out the feature-length doc, A Fat Wreck. Hey, that's our that's our buddy Sean Cologne, right? Yeah, he's uh, he's been a big supporter of our show from the beginning. And uh, this is his... Rockumentary, his punkumentary. It's the story of Fat Wreck Chords, one of the largest and most successful indie labels of the 90s, half inspirational story of chosen family and community, the other half debauchery and occasionally involuntary drug use. <laughs> involuntary drug use. Did we mention that there are puppet reenactments? I don't think they mentioned it until now. Uh, it's out 11:22 on iTunes. Video on demand and Blu-ray DVD. Uh, if you want more information on this really cool-sounding documentary, you can go to afatrec.com for more info. Uh, Sean sent us screener links, but we have been super busy uh, doing our tour and and various other things uh, in the time period that we had to watch it. So I haven't checked it out yet, but uh, I, I watched the trailer for a fat wreck. And it looked really cool. Like the the puppet, just like the idea of puppet reenactments. I'm jealous forever of uh, him coming up with that because uh, they're really fun and like they, you know, they're like these legendary stories of like punk rock people, you know, trying to start a business together. Right. And uh, there's something like so perfect about about puppets like do, doing those scenes. It's great. Puppets using drugs yeah. involuntarily. Mm-hmm. As the producer of a failed documentary, I have a massive amount of respect for anyone <laughs> in this game. Who gets it over the finish line? Yeah, so I'm definitely going to be checking this out. Yeah. Just just watching white knuckle, digging your, digging your fingernails into the palms of your hands with jealousy. I'm going to be voluntarily using drugs as I watch this <laughs> out of envy. Our second uh, priority one message is of a personal nature, so... This could get this could get ugly, <laughs> mixing business and personal. But uh, it is from Ben Connor. That's to Richard Dodson. 
Thanks for the B-Day message. I didn't hit a car while riding my bike and washing the pod, but it was an awesome gift. As thanks, I will help you hang the soundproof drywall or transparent aluminum siding you've been anxious to get up. We may have to watch some this old enterprise for tips. <laughs> now, if you're hanging transparent aluminum in your downstairs basement, <laughs> you may you may be tempted to use a resin a, a resin bit on your on your on your screw gun, but in fact, you're, you're going to want to use a metal bit because transparent aluminum is as hot as it sounds. <laughs> I'm really interested in knowing more about soundproof drywall. Yeah, what's up with that? What sort of sounds are you trying not to have escape that room, guys? <laughs> I'm just, I, I assume whale moans. Or uh, zipper mask sounds? <laughs> <laughs> Is where I was going? Yeah. Much darker place? Yeah, but I mean, if it's, if it's either or transparent aluminum, come on. Can you imagine a whale-sized zipper mask? Isn't Richard Dodson the name of the character that gives Dennis Nedry the uh, the uh, Gillette uh, canister in in Jurassic Park? I believe it is. Maybe there's something much more sinister afoot. <laughs> I think that was a Barbasol canister, though. Oh, it was Gillette in the book, but it was Barbasol in the movie. So right. I was doing canonical the, uh, canonical placement. novel, you know. Yeah, you could like that. Yeah. Well, what? thanks for thanks Richard Dodson and thanks Ben Connor for continuing this very important conversation amongst yourselves. Yeah, this public hundreds of dollars so far conversation. <laughs> <laughs> if you are interested in continuing a conversation or maybe starting a new one using our show as the main way to broadcast it, <laughs> you can go to maximumfun.org/jumbotron. Personal messages are a hundred dollars. Uh, Business slash corporate slash documentary film messages are two hundred. Yeah, and uh, thanks to everybody who bought one for this episode. It really helps us uh, keep the thing going. As uh, as you were watching this episode, Ben, did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. I did, Adam. And uh, we should say, drunk Shimoda is. I I crystallized this the other day. Actually, I was I was telling somebody about our show. And uh, I realize that why drunk, would you do that? Drunk Shimoda is the character that like makes the episode. Whether that is like the the character that is like the awesomest or like the most absurd, it's the one that it's the one that you really took away with you. So yeah. mine is uh, is President Monk because um, <laughs> of that. Like the like arc on that character is so silly. He is a thousand percent sure. That Ardra is who she claims to be, and then is a thousand percent disabused of that. Like the second Picard does, like ten seconds of fairly lightweight demonstration of what he's been arguing, and and uh, and President Monk is like, "All right, have that woman arrested." Like he has no residual belief in in what she claimed to be. It's like, why was he so credulous at the beginning? Like, he's the most credulous person in the world he'll he'll believe anything anybody says as long as they're like pretty forceful about it do you think that makes him a good leader or a bad leader because all <laughs> of the evidence before the enterprise shows up seems to point to ardra's return but he seems to his credit 
to be willing to change his mind on something. I like mean, based based on new evidence. Yeah, I mean, I like that about him, but I feel like he was too willing to believe it in the first place based on dumb evidence. Yeah. Yeah, all that dumb evidence. Yeah, what a weirdo. What a weird leader. <laughs> weird leader. Weird Christ leader, bro. Monk. How about yourself? Nice leading you got there. <laughs> um, my Shimoda is is a piece of acting that Patrick Stewart does. Uh, so he's been, uh, Ardra's made a pass at him in either his quarters or what he's made to believe are his quarters. Mm-hmm. And Ardra beams him down to the science station in his V <laughs> and his short shorts. And Picard does a, what I believe to be a boner lean into the <laughs> into the counter space next to him down there. He kind of he beams down to the science station. He sees Jordy there. He's like, "Oh God!" And he kind of turns away and does like a lean into his like away from his shorts, so as to obscure the boner that I'm sure Ardra gave him. <laughs> and so my Shimoda goes to Picard for. Uh, the need to deploy the boner lean in that moment. But that was great. Yeah. That, was a, that was a bit of subtle acting that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. The mind was unwilling, but the flesh was weak. Damok, Angelad, and A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace. And I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. 
It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. What episode are we watching next time, Ben? The next episode is Season 4, Episode 14, Clues. Picard and the crew are shocked to discover... Data is lying to them. Spoiler alert. Huh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think we can take anything off the table as far as the danger that Data represents to the crew <laughs> on any given moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, they still have not enacted any security protocols. Uh, w slash R slash T Data. Yeah. So... Uh, that's probably going to be a bad bad day for them if Data is all of a sudden lying. Do you have any memory of this episode? Do we know for sure that Data is programmed not to lie to them? Well, Ardra sure thinks so. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember this episode, no. Well, we don't have a veto, so even if you felt some antipathy toward it, there would be nothing you could do and nothing I could do. I uh, feel utterly neutral about it. Yeah. And I'm not lying, Ben. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, that'll be the next episode. Um, ben, you've never lied to me on this podcast, have you? No, I think uh, I think one thing that our podcast is kind of famous for is how gruesomely honest we tend to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well put. Uh, you know what's almost uh, gruesomely impressive to me on the daily, Ben, is how generous our our viewers are in yeah. making the production of this show possible. Totally. And they do that in a number of ways. Uh, one of which is by going to MaximumFun.org slash donate and contributing to the production of the show. Uh, they're also buying t-shirts. Uh, they're buying Priority One messages. Yeah. They're, they're doing all sorts of things uh, to support the show, and it really helps a lot. Yeah, it's a big deal, and uh, we really appreciate it. We also appreciate... Dark Materia and Adam Ragusia, who made our theme music and our Priority One and Wharf Door music, respectively. Yeah, uh, if you'd like, you can talk to us uh, on the internet, mm-hmm. on Twitter, using the hashtag GreatestGen. I'm on there as at Cup for Time. Ben is on there as at Benjamin R A H R. We also have a whole mess of Facebook pages and groups. Uh, we're on the Reddit at r slash GreatestGen. 
Uh, and also at r slash maximum fun. Uh, yeah. What I'm trying to say here is there's a lot of conversations on the internet about the show. Yeah. And, uh, and there's people making fun pictures and memes. Some yeah. pretty dank memes up there. Ben. Yeah. You got animations. You got videos of all kinds. Um, it's, a, it's, really, it's really quite remarkable. Uh, if you have something you want to say to us, uh, question, complaint, praise, send it to drunkshimoda at gmail.com. And uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Big help. And with that, we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and a mysterious episode of The Greatest Generation. You ain't lying. I would never lie to you. Not sure if I believe that. Our next caller is from the Klingon homeworld. Feklar, hello. <laughs> does Feklar actually talk at all, or is he? Yeah, he does, right? He says like, "Yeah, he's, I believe he says I am Feklar or something." Yeah. <laughs> Go- My name is Feklar. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.